millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario. In my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Central Park Five. Here's what you need to know. On a cool April night in 1989, two men were walking through Central Park in New York City around 1.30 in the morning when they found a woman naked, bound, and gagged in the ravine of a wooded area in the northern section of the park. The victim, 28-year-old Trisha Miley, was going for a jog around 9 p.m. when she was knocked to the ground, dragged off the road, and violently raped and beaten. As she was rushed to the hospital, with very little chance of survival, police officers began apprehending suspects of this shocking crime. The graphically violent assault came during an atmosphere of 1980s high crime rates and poor race relations in New York City. The description of the attack, an innocent, upper-class, white woman brutalized by a quote-unquote gang of Latino and Black teens, provoked a public outcry and ignited a media firestorm that swept the nation. Earlier that evening, a series of attacks and disturbances had erupted around the park, said to have been instigated by around 30 teenagers. The police had already taken custody of 14-year-olds Raymond Santana and Kevin Richardson when Trisha's body was discovered. The following day, Antron McRae and Yusuf Salam were brought in for questioning. Not an initial suspect, Corey Wise freely accompanied his friend Yusef to the police station as support. Once he arrived, however, 
the detectives forced him into questioning. Because he was 16 years old, his parents had no right to accompany their child during the interrogation. Yusef Salam, although only 15 at the time, had identification stating he was 16, and a detective brought him into a private interrogation room. When Yusef's mother arrived at the station demanding to see her son, the district attorney blocked her from entrance. Meanwhile, after Yusef insisted his innocence, the detective lied to him, telling Yusef that police already had fingerprint evidence and he would be better off confessing. The other three boys, Raymond, Kevin, and Antron, were all under 16 years old and by law had guardians in the room during their respective questioning. However, after 11 hours of interrogation, Kevin's mother fell ill and briefly left. It was during this period of time that Kevin incriminated himself. Raymond was similarly questioned for hours despite denying involvement. When his grandmother and father left the station, the detective claimed that Raymond confessed to the rape. Raymond had been told that others had already confessed, and if he didn't as well, he'd be in bigger trouble. Antron was accompanied by his father, Bobby McRae. After hours of insisting he did not act in the crime, the police pulled his father into another room. When he returned, Bobby began yelling at his son, demanding that Antron admit to the violent assault so they could go home. Despite having videotaped confessions from the suspects, the police did not have any physical evidence linking the boys to the crime. The DNA found on Trisha's body was not a match for any of them. And due to severe brain trauma, Trisha had no memory of the attack. After those initial interrogations, all five boys retracted their statements, insisting they were forced to confess. But it was too late. During the 1990 trials for the five accused, the juries found all five young men guilty and each was sentenced to between 5 to 15 years in prison. It wasn't until 2002, after four out of the five men had served their full sentences, that Mateus Reyes confessed to the attack, and his DNA was a positive match to the evidence found at the crime scene. Mateus was a convicted serial rapist and murderer already serving time. Only two days before the rape, Mateus had raped another woman in the same area of the park. Had the investigators compared the DNA evidence from both crime scenes, they would have found a match. That summer, Mateus raped four women, killing one. He was finally apprehended in August. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats Trisha Miley was 28 years old when she was dragged into Central Park, raped, beaten, and left for dead. She was in a coma for 12 days and suffered severe brain damage, severe hemorrhagic shock, and loss of 80% of her blood. Her skull had been fractured so badly that her left eye was dislodged from its socket, which in turn was fractured in 21 places. She spent six months in rehabilitation to relearn how to walk, read, and speak. There were no eyewitnesses and no DNA evidence linking any of the five convicted boys to the crime. Yusuf Salam was 14 when jurors found him guilty of rape, assault, robbery, and riot. He spent the next six years and eight months behind bars. Corey Wise was 16 when jurors convicted him of assault, sexual abuse, and riot. Tried as an adult, he served 12 years at Rikers Island. Kevin Richardson was 14 when he was accused of attacking and sexually assaulting the Central Park jogger. He was convicted of attempted murder, rape, sodomy, assault, and robbery. He served more than five years behind bars. Raymond Santana was 14 when he was convicted of rape, assault, robbery, and riot charges. He served five years behind bars. Antron McRae was 15 when he was tried and convicted on rape, assault, robbery, and riot charges. He served six years in prison. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. 
And our very special guest today is my really good friend, Maggie Marion. Hello, it is me, Maggie Marion. (laughs) Maggie, thank you so much for joining (laughs) us today. It is my pleasure to be with you. Maggie. Maggie's also our friend. That's right. You said my mm-hmm. friend. I'm everyone's friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's your, uh, listeners, she's your friend now too. Beloved friend? Beloved. Hell yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Maggie, we like to start off our show by asking our guests, what is something that is recently alarming you? What is something yeah. that's keeping you up at night? Well... I could dive in the deep end here and say reproductive rights. I could go there because that's mm-hmm. certainly On, true. Yes. Yes. All of our minds. I will also add on maybe a lighter note that my son, who's three years old, he has never seen Star Wars. <laughs> and yet mm-hmm. he is obsessed <laughs> with hmm. Star Wars. That um, is as somebody alarming. who's. It is a little bit alarming. It speaks to the power of like their right. character design. The force. And also the force. Per, the, oh my God, it's the force. See, and it's with him. It's, the <laughs> fate lines are getting woven <laughs> Let right me tell you now. Something. <laughs> now, what yeah. what do you what do you what is his obsession with Star Wars? Does he just I'll tell you, toys? I think it's helmets. Oh. No, I think it's helmets. <laughs> it's mostly head protection related. I think it's head protection related. I do. I think he saw a guy in a cape and a helmet and he was like, sign me up. Sure. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Perfect transition into this terrible, absolutely keep you up at night kind of tragedy. Primal mm-hmm. fear yeah. kind yeah. of tragedy speaks to the deepest part of your of your fear circuit. And to like yeah. really the, the, the um, ugly side of humanity. Yeah. That's right. How ugly can we be? It's yeah. Well, I think the last ugly. time I was here, I was talking about the molasses flood. So right. not quite oh. the same whimsy here. No, no. the subject <laughs> it's be a different. Tone. Sort of a not quite tone. the same tone. No. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> no. Um, for sure, we're gonna we're gonna dive in, and I'm not sure how min- how much you guys know about this. Um, uh, you can't call it an event. It's uh, you know. Tra- it's a just simply just a tragedy that happened for you know for so long mm-hmm. um miscarriage I, of justice miss justice that's right um i recently watched the ken burns documentary on on the central park five which i highly recommend clayton i know you've seen uh the other one on netflix i forget what it's called when they see us the when- ava duvernay like series yeah right yeah um and that's a fictionalized one fictionalized yes. okay got it very good very good watch so for the you know my experience watching the ken burns one when you see it's it's terrible to read about this tragedy but when you actually see the children that mm-hmm. are involved in 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 this um misjustice um it is gut-wrenching just to see how young a 14-year-old really is and really looks. Um, and, and, and because there's so much footage, there's so much, uh, there's so many, uh, docu- so much documentation on these, on these yeah. kids when they were going through this, um, that it is really hard to watch and mm-hmm. also a must see. <laughs> hard to watch, important not to look away. But yeah, to your point, the um, confessions played the key role in their convictions, and so yeah, it was in, it was an important part of the documentary as a result. So yeah, watching these guys uh, just be w- these worn down kids, just right. just so confused, coerced into it. Um, yeah, being led to answer these questions, it's just uh, infuriating to sort of watch it play out. And not just the kids too, even the family members, you right. know, um, the the parents. Just I can't imagine the the trauma and the uh, uh, fear, the agony that they must have gone through just watching their kids go through this as well. I mean, yep, so many levels. So let's start off by putting a racist system up on the board. <laughs> oh, okay. great. Um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I feel like we can uh, essentially put a bunch of other, uh, we're going to put a bunch of other stuff, but some of these can be folded into the racist system, but we'll, we'll discuss them individually, I think. And by system, are we saying a, a racist judicial. legal system? Yeah, I would, okay. I would say a judicial. So let's also put uh, police interrogation techniques up on the board. Now, this is according to, and- yeah. Go on, Maggie. Can we put like the specific, <laughs> the Policeman? specific detectives? Uh, yeah, yes. the specific policemen. Yes, up there. Now, this is according to the Washington Post, um, and this is kind of long. So bear with me and and stop me if there's there are any questions or anything you want to discuss. Um, this is according to the Washington Post. When we were arrested, the police deprived us of food, drink, or sleep for more than 24 hours, Yusuf Salam wrote. Under duress, we falsely confessed. Though we were innocent, we spent our formative years in prison branded as rapists. This is according to the Village Voice. On the stand, Detective Thomas McKenna, so let's put him up on the board, openly acknowledged that he had used a ruse to get Yusuf Salam's confession. At first, Salam repeatedly denied having been in Central Park. Then McKenna told Salam, look, I don't care if you tell me anything. I don't care what you say to me. We have fingerprints on the jogger's pants. They're satin. They're a very smooth surface, and we have been able to get fingerprints off of them. I'm just going to compare your prints to the prints we have on the pants. And if they match up, you don't have to tell me anything because you're going down for rape. That's a quote from the interrogation. There weren't, uh, there never were, of course, any fingerprints on the jogger's running pants. This is according to Esquire. Interrogation works basically by making the irrational seem rational, by turning the world on its head until all of a sudden it makes sense to you to confess to something that you didn't do, explains Laura Nereder, co-director of the Center on Wrongful Convictions, who advised on Sarah Burns' 2012 documentary, The Central Park Five. It is perfectly legal for police officers to lie, de- lie during in- interrogations about the evidence against a suspect. In Yusuf Salam's interrogation, the police admitted that they lied to Yusuf when they were questioning him. They told Yusuf his fingerprints could be found on the jogging shorts of the victim. That's perfectly legal in the United States. Yeah, right. So th- th- there you go. I mean, like they, they are operate and that's why system is key here, right? Because that does doesn't seem right on the face of it. No. That you that you're allowed to lie openly. Also, lie. it sounds like the detective like caught himself in, in that like clearly he's not gonna be able to get fingerprints from pants. You can't get fingerprints off pants. And then he's like, It was satin material. It was satiny material and it was really <laughs> smooth and we can get fingerprints. And it was just like it sounded like he was like caught himself in a dumb statement and was like, this 14-year-old kid doesn't know the quality of textiles. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's just clearly, it yes. already sounds like this This detective is like fumbling and it wasn't even like doing a good job, of like mental sparring. Mm-hmm. The the pointing out the pant texture to me is is very interesting because in reading this as a, you know, adult who think, who has a some understanding of fabric, I'm like, well, first of all, <laughs> no one would make jogger pants made of satin right like that's all right already this is a lie but these are children right right um and you say the word fingerprints and of course they're gonna freak out and 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 in the documentary um i i forget which one of the which one of them said this but they said you know in my mind i was thinking how did someone put my fingerprints on the pants that's what the Mm. you know them as children were thinking you know there's this great story that i've heard of where it's like i think it was where this kid wakes up and sees their dad putting money under their pillow thinking that they're the and like for the tooth fairy and the child logic version of it, like oh my dad is the tooth fairy right not the tooth fairy isn't real you know it's just like so how did they right. get my fingerprints on the right. pants right mm-hmm. like that child logic makes sense for a child mm-hmm. it does um another thing i want to just point out here is the fact that it's not illegal to lie during an interrogation. Mm-hmm. I, right. yeah. I, as 
an adult. I didn't know that. I, in my mind, I was like, well, you, you know, you know, when you hear these cases where the police has lied to the people that they're interrogating, I'm like, oh, well, that was a bad policeman. But I didn't realize that was just like standard practice. Yeah. There must be a reason why that is. Um, I wonder what it is. But yeah, like Maggie was saying before, when you're up against real criminals, real psychopaths, real pe- people who have, you know, no respect for authority or or are just, you know, in a place where they are vindictive or whatever. I mean, you, you need tools against them in order to get correct convictions. So I, I don't really I, I don't know that I can fully pass judgment just because I don't understand the interrogation process uh, on a whole. But what seems to be um, the problem in this case is that the police, if you look at the timeline, they fixated on this group very quickly. They had them mm-hmm. in, they had a couple guys at the precinct. Then they found out about the body and then they decided to keep them. And and within the first couple, within the first like 24 hours, pushed them into confessions and ter- like closed the book on it. And that to me seems like bad police work more than anything else. Yes. yes. Let me, well, yeah. It, Go on, Clay. I, I, I'm curious just to respond to that. I wonder if it's worth talking about just kind of like New York City at the time, because so much of what you hear or read about in documentaries or even like the fictionalized stuff was like the race relations and what a big crime this was that it's like New York City 1980s and a white woman was right. almost murdered and raped in the park. And we need to like solve this immediately, like the pressure that they must have had to or felt to like find the criminal, you know? Yes. And, like, and well, good. I'm glad somebody who they feel pressure to find the absolutely. criminal, a rapist and murderer. Yeah, I'm glad that they good. felt pressure right. to do it. But Picking how easy, five random children exactly. out right. of the, the park. The kids that you've already picked up d- yeah. just happened to be the ones who did it. That's where it seems like it goes off the rails. Right. Yes. So I, totally. I, I, we are going to touch on that, but I want to keep uh, reading this because it's, it's got interesting information. This is still from Esquire in the central park five case. Only the, confessions were recorded on video, not the dozens of hours of interrogation that led to the confessions. Mm -hmm. So there were there was no context to show what led to the false admissions. Thanks to the advocacy of the five men, 25 states now require electronic records of full interrogations. The teenagers didn't know each other before they got to the police station and the cops played them off one another. Um, they told 14-year-old Raymond Santana that they had evidence against 15-year-old Kevin Richardson. And if he just helped them build a case against Richardson by placing himself into the crime scene, he'd get to go home. They made the boys believe that they were acting merely as witnesses to a crime. In the end, right. four of the boys of, of the five boys falsely confessed. And even though no DNA linked them to the scene of the crime and their descriptions of the victim's clothing and injuries didn't match the crime scene they were convicted privilege is embedded in the question why would you say that when they see us director ava duvernay explained there's a lack of understanding about the relationship between people of color and the police it's scary to be black and brown and face a police officer let alone you're a minor who doesn't know your rights your parents are not educated on their rights right they weren't they 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 didn't ask for a lawyer that was a big one. Oh. To, to me, the most egregious part of this um, is that just what Clayton brought up, which is that they found out about this and then and then they started the interrogation to blame the people they already brought in. And not so only that, lazy. but they knew that there were there was a, cr- a group of over 25 to 30 in this mob of people who are wreaking right. havoc in, in Central Park. So in the face of this pressure sure and in this they just picked they literally picked these kids and they forced the confessions right. on them like with the, it, it's it's absent of any detective work it, it's not even bad detective work it's it's no detective work and that mm-hmm. is to it's me also infuriating very infuriating because it's it's also relying where it was like 1989 hard to remember like I don't know what policing was like, but then it was like no DNA evidence was found. So yeah. we have DNA 
DNA evidence. So we're relying on like literally the same technique people were using in like the 1700s. That right. was like, I saw the governor. Right. I saw the governor assault that woman with yeah. my own eyes. Yeah. And it's just like, we're using that same So what do we technique? call that lazy detective DNA- work? Or because we should this definitely is, put that on the board. Is it like poor? Well, I, th- I think it's just the cops. I mean, like those cops. Yeah, just those lazy. Uh, I would say what Chris or said, inadequate. which is like zero t- detective work. Okay. Um, they just use what had landed on their, you know, and uh, yes, like like you were saying, Chris, going off of the the knowledge like, that they knew that there were uh, almost thirty kids in the park, you know, whatever they were doing. Um, then wouldn't they they get all thirty, and and <laughs> wouldn't right. all thirty then be questioned? Well, you have to also then say, at every turn, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but at every turn in the case when. They came up against inconsistencies with the story, and this is now I'm talking about the the uh, attorneys, the mm-hmm. district yeah. attorneys. Yeah, when they came up against the different, uh, disparate accounts of what happened from each guy, when they came up against the evidence uh, of the crime scene, uh, where it was uh, one sort of lane of of. Uh, of sort of destroyed landscape. So it was like, it couldn't have been five kids. It was only this one. It had, you know, it was, it looked more like it was just oh. two people who were dragged in the struggle. into, into yeah. the struggle, into uh-huh. the woods. When they came up against then the lack of DNA and there no DNA matches at every turn, what they said was that they don't care. Right. And they want to, they just don't care. I mean, that's the only way you can interpret this. They don't give a fuck about these kids. That's right. the only right. way to interpret like, this. What message it's- are they trying to send by moving ahead with a, with a, tr- a trial or a verdict that is like beyond? There is so many. There's so much reasonable doubt, you know. And if that's the burden, is to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that these people are guilty, like. Well, if you're just tr- disregarding that, what what message are you trying to send? That's to true for the jurors, but in the case of a prosecutor, what you want is an abundance of evidence to get to the truth, right? And, and to bring charges. And but what they did not have was uh, at every turn any where they proof. tried, they didn't have fucking anything. No. And I'd- when they found counterintuitive evidence, they disregarded it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that to me is really, really scary and sad. And that yeah. I think is the system, but I definitely want to put up the, I know you'll get to this, but the district attorneys. Yes. I, I think sure. t- w- there's something to be said about that. Like I, uh, cause I think about this a lot too. Like there's almost like a problem with the system going back into like the, not just racist, but it's almost like a- as an attorney, it's like you're this mentality of like, you just want to win, even if like, you know, right. maybe like you're not, like you're wrong, but you just rather win. You know what I mean? Like, there's something about that. Like, how there's like shame in being Car- careerism the trial or or doubling down. Let's or- talk about the district attorney uh, right now, just because it since we're touching on that subject. So let's put her up on the board. Uh, district attorney Linda Fairstein. Um, you know, another thing we could put slash white woman racism was another uh, thing we could put up on the board uh, based mm-hmm. on on this uh the- what i find so one of the many things that is infuriating about this but particularly from linda's point of view here's a woman who has theoretically strived very hard to get into the powerful position she is today here is somebody who she probably can see herself in this woman who has been horribly, horribly injured and assaulted. And she can see herself in her. But the real way to protect her is to find the actual murderer. Right. The Mm -hmm. actual serial rapist is how you protect other women. Correct. Is not as how innocent people. That you Not just, innocent children. Yes. Is you find the real actual perpetrator of actual violence. Right. Who went on, the guy who confessed, raped four women or five women or something like that and killed right. one. Around that same and time. Like, Why weren't they looking yes. for him? It seems like an obvious, obvious match. Well, and yeah. And like, that's how you actually would. Do your job right. I'm just. <laughs> do your job right. Yeah. And just like, and also there's, of just like, there's this, there's this. 
seemingly this is where the racism comes right. comes so obviously where it's like it's not even actually about protecting the people like you right because if you actually wanted to protect the people like you you would be interested in finding the actual rapist and you wouldn't disregard you wouldn't like put that aside for your win for your career for to save face to whatever were her motives were mm. i mean i don't know other yeah. than right. you know let's uh this is from the village voice linda fairstein who controlled the case as head of the manhattan district attorney's sex crimes prosecution unit says now quote i don't think there was any rush to judgment so intense was the push for confessions that Fairstein bullied and stalled and blocked the mother and two friends of one suspect, Yusuf Salam, from gaining access to him. Fairstein's apparent purpose was to keep the suspect, suspect under wraps because she had been informed by the interrogating detective that the questioning was in a delicate face where Salam had begun to make some admissions. A short while later, Fairstein realized she could not bar the mother any longer and the angry parent halted the interrogation. Thus, unlike the four others charged with rape, Salam had not signed any written statement nor given a videotape confessions. According to Rolling Stone, although there was no physical evidence tying the members of the Central Park Five to the case, Fairstein took a gung-ho approach toward the prosecution of the five young men. She oversaw, though did not directly participate in, the aggressive interrogation of the five young men, which took place over the course of two days without lawyers present and led to their false confessions. Despite the exoneration of the Central Park Five, however, Fairstein has historically man maintained that the police investigation was above board and she continued to insist on their guilt up until 2002 quote i think reyes ran with the, with that pack of kids she told the new yorkers jeffrey tobin following reyes's confession this she's referring to mateus reyes who was the actual person who who did commit the rape he stayed longer when the others moved on he completed the assault i don't think there is a question in the minds of anyone present during the interrogation process that these five men were participants not only in the other attacks that night but in the attacks on the jogger well there you go five men she sees them as men i mean and that's where the racism is so obvious where where they are not men, they're children, and they, there was, there was, they were, there, there were bad things happening in the park that, like, the people that they were running with, this pack, this, like, group of 25 or so kids, but were, like, getting into trouble for sure. But the fact that she called them men just shows her hands, like, shows the racism so blatantly. Absolutely. That, like, it's just like, well, they may not have done this, but they're rapists in their heart. Yes. Is like what is like what I'm reading between their line, the lines. Right. Like, yeah, they may not have committed this rape and murder, but, but they're they they're well, these not, men. Right. Well, not only that, the 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 other thing is that she says she if she insists that 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 everything that happened was above board, then that just speaks plainly to the system, uh, right? To me, yeah, exactly. And, and also, if she, you know the 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 system that protects this kind of activity, which is, th this is just a gut check. You, you can just ask your gut whether you think this is fair or not. And it's it, right. 99 times out of 100, you'll say absolutely unfair. So I don't know what to tell you. It speaks to me. Yeah, absolutely. To her inherent racism. Mm -hmm. And then also to the system as well. So I also want to put up the media fueling racist fire. Important. The crime was splashed across front pages for months with the teens depicted as symbols of violence and called bloodthirsty, quote, animals, savages and human mutations. I mean, this is I, this is in, in, insane. Extreme. Uh, the, a nonprofit journalism and research organization repo reported uh, this was the Pointer Institute. It was a media tsunami, said former New York Daily News Police Bureau Chief David Krajiser. 
It was so competitive, the city desk absolutely demanded that we come up with details that other reporters didn't have. New York Post Pete Hamill wrote that the teens hailed from, quote, a world of crack, welfare, guns, knives, indifference, and ignorance, a land with no fathers to smash, hurt, rob, stomp, rape. The enemies were rich. The enemies were white. That was that's a quote. I mean... It, of course, it begs the question, like, because these kids were from Harlem, you know, if they had been from a uh, wealthy neighborhood in New York City, would would they would have had lawyers right away? Well, yeah, right. yeah, they would probably <laughs> would been home be that night. Treated they that wouldn't way. have parents who were like having to you know take off time from work and know how to deal with the legal system. And oh my just, god! Like, and this to get is their kid back home. Such Your parents a, all showed up. Well, but and 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 yes, they Ink. did show up. And this was such a heartbreaking part of of the story where um, Santana. It was one of the kids. Santana's father she went to the precinct. Uh, was there with his brought his mother, and then at a certain point, uh, you know, this was in the middle of the night. He shows up in the morning. He's been there all night. He realizes he has to go to work. These are working class people yeah. who cannot miss work. He says, "I have to go to work." The policeman is like pretty much telling them that they're going to go home. All they have to do, you know, is, is, you know, dot the eyes and, you know, what do you call it? <laughs> Put the cross t- the cross T's. The T's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, all and, you have to do is spill the tea and yeah. the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> spill the tea and um, so, and he was assured. It's like, you know, this is, they're going to be home soon. So he goes to work. And when yeah. he comes back, it's too late. Right. Yeah. He's confessed. He's already confessed. It just breaks your heart. It does. I wanted to say in, rela- in relation to this, like the media circus, I uh, I want to throw up on the board um, mob mentality because I feel okay, like yeah. there's a lot of this, like, you know, it just seemed like there was a lot of hysteria going on around like people in New York and they were all just like demanding and people were just kind of really quick to ju- jump to judgment and just like demand justice without actually really caring about the details. And it seemed like kind of well, that was one of the things that was so chilling was this call for the death penalty. Um, oh. That was just so, so, so chilling. And the fact that the victim was a white woman is a big factor in why these people were treated with such there was clearly a goal by the media to humiliate them. They wanted mm-hmm. them to be humiliated and for like the community to be humiliated. But there's also this this thing of the victim was also treated so disrespectfully. Uh, this level of miscarriage of justice is so disrespectful to the victim as well. Mm. There is something about like the rape element of it. I mean – their racist protection of white women's sexuality or whatever. It's, you know, the Emmett Till. It, I mean, it's the same thing as what happened to Emmett Till, too. Yeah. But just the call for the death penalty was just like. It's reminiscent of. Lynching. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. that's Absolutely. what they wanted yeah. to do. Yes. I mean, I think of the uh, the scene in Beauty and the Beast towards the end of the movie where the whole mob. When I think of the Central Park Five, <laughs> I think of Beauty and the Beast. No, I think First of, thing that you know, comes when to everyone mind. from the town just storms over to the castle. Yeah. And yeah. it's like saying, kill, you know, kill the beast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I I feel like we should also put because we're on this Donald Trump fueling racist fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is according to Trump. Oprah Daily. In 1989, after the five teens had been arrest- arrested, Trump spent eighty five thousand dollars on full page ads in four New York newspapers, the New York Times, the Daily News, the New York Post and the New York Newsday. The ads read, quote, bring back the death penalty bring back our police. Though it was not named explicitly in the ad, coverage at the time confirmed that Trump was referring to the Central Park Five case and thus was calling for the death penalty for the five teens. In 2016, Trump told CNN that he still believed the five were guilty, despite the evidence that led to their acquittal, along with a confession by the man who attacked Miley. Since... Trump has never apologized for his role in the case. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, don't hold your breath for that one. But 
$85,000? It makes me think, I mean, I don't know if if you, I don't know if I've just been wearing my tinfoil hat for too long at this point, but like, what was he distracting from? Like, what was he doing? Like, what con was he running? Because like, obvious, well, I don't know how obvious it is to people, but I think he's obviously racist, like act and demonstratively racist yes. in many, many ways. So like clearly racism was fueling him. But exactly, 85 grand. Like it, to me, there feels like there's a con in there somewhere that like there's some other thing that that was going on that this like, I don't know, got him some sort of credit for. I don't know. But with him, I'm always looking for the con. Interesting. And, and I, I, I see that. Yeah. It, it just blows my mind that someone would spend that amount of money like yeah. to fuel a racist idea. But I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, you know. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and finally, I feel like we have to put the, prosec- just the just general like in- prosecution up on the board. I want to put narcissism on the board. Okay, yeah. Narcissism. Let's do it. I want to put narcissism on the board because it's nar- it's incredibly narcissistic for Donald Trump to insert himself into this that literally has nothing to do with him at all. It's there's an there, it's like narcissistic of these police officers who think like, well, we got them and we got them to confess. We are so good at our jobs. There was like, like the police were like patting themselves on the back for this one. And then there's narcissism in this prosecution of just like, well, and the fact that they've held on to this, it's nurses. It's like, it's centering yourself in narcissistic to such a degree that like evidence will not sway you. Mm. I could not have been wrong. There's no way I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Is like yes. the point of view. Um, mm. the, the speaking of, I, I want to put also misrepresenting DNA. The the in, from the prosecution's angle. Um, this is according to ABC News. The jogger who made what doctors said was a miraculous recovery remembered nothing from the attack. But prosecutors said yeah. that three blonde hairs found on one of the defendant's jackets, one of them a pubic hair, were similar to the victims. At the time, DNA testing was not sophisticated enough to definitively identify hairs. Uh, DNA tests were, though, sophisticated enough to establish that the semen found on the jogger's sock did not match any of the teenagers. The defense also noted that no traces of the jogger's blood were found on the boy's clothes, despite the fact she bled profusely. But mm-hmm. jurors, apparently swayed by the confessions, convicted the boys in two separate trials of crimes including rape, attempted murder, and assault. This is according to the Village Bo- Voice. There was no physical evidence linking them to the crime. No blood match, no semen match, nothing. The victim could not provide an identification of any assailant because the battering left her with no memory of the episode or even starting out on her jog. In such crimes, given the media attention and the potential for community anxiety and even unrest, pressure on police and prosecutors is immense. The unwritten unwritten edict from on high is... Solve this case instantly and put the perpetrators behind bars. In less than 48 hours, the police had rounded up a dozen or so suspects and reported that a few had already confessed. So, again, this is touching on the pressure for the prosecution to come up with uh, suspects quickly after the crime. Which is great. Find the suspects. Like, solve the crime. Like, I, I great. Cool. I want detectives to be able to solve crime yeah that's there should be that pressure right like that's your job (laughs) and we want you to solve it we want you to solve the crime we want the crime solved we don't want a rapist out there raping we don't want murders and we don't want rapes um but but you actually have to solve the crime not just like any it's not like a this is a bit of a cinderella situation the shoe's got to fit you know Mm -hmm. it can't just be Right. So, you know, and, and the and the be. pressure. It, it's also it's also in terms of the media stuff. Like, why this rape? There were four rapes in Central Park. There was murders in Central Park. Like, why this one is is um, more more racism? Yeah, and pearl yeah. clutching over white. Do we just white, put racism uh, on the board? Like, we don't have just racism. I mean, we, we have the racist system, but yes. Just, but there's also racist uh, racism of individuals because the, the yes. system can be racist, but like there is clear racism from individual actors in this right. situation mm-hmm. as well. 
I know we have to start knocking things off the board, uh, but I also want to put one of uh, our listener recommendation up on the board. Um, and this is coming from at Dohomey. Uh, and uh, at Dohomey says, hard on crime era, super predator narrative. Uh, th- we should put this up on the board. And I, I feel like we were touching upon this a little earlier, but I do think the, the hard on crime era, the 80s, you know. Reagan. Uh, sorry, Chris? Reagan. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like so many people were victims of this um of this system at this time um that we we should definitely at least mention it and put that up on the board okay great um okay now let's take a quick break and start knocking things off the list hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. Who's to blame? For the Central Park Five, a racist judicial system, questionable police interrogation techniques, Detective Thomas McKenna, zero detective work, uh, District Attorneys Linda Fairstein and Elizabeth Litterer, white women racism, the media fueling racist fire, mob mentality, Donald Trump fueling the fire, narcissism, the prosecution, misrepresenting DNA, racism, or hard-on-crime era and super-predator narrative. Okay. This is going to be harder than I thought because... Very you know, unfortunately. Yeah. The detective, I do... We just... Sorry, Maggie. The, the detective, you go ahead. We de- the detective just represents all the detectives, are we saying? All the detectives? Yeah. I would say the questionable police interrogation techniques, uh, all the detectives involved in the interrogation. Okay. The, yeah, that represents all of them. So what are we going to start knocking off? Because... I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time here. I feel like everything is pretty responsible. <laughs> They're all in, really <laughs> no. interconnected. Can we talk a little bit about the super predator narrative? Because there's, it's, I mean, it's a racist idea of just like there's some young people who are just impulsive, violent criminals. Yeah. So this is according to Wikipedia. The super predator theory, often known as the super predator myth, is a theory in criminology that became popular in the 90s in the United States, positing that there are some impulsive juvenile criminals who are willing to commit violent crimes without remorse. I'm assuming that there is a racist uh, connection here as well. You know, it, it, what I was going to say too is also it speaks to the um, incarceration system we have, yeah. which is not focused on rehabilitation. It's just focused. It's punishment, right. punishment based. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So you know, but none you're just of these kids had even been in jail before. Predators. That's what. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, there were kids. None of them had criminal records. And it's also like, how can you you just like, oh, shrug your shoulders and call people super predators, even though like you're not trying one fucking thing to when they go into prison right. to reform them in right. any way. Or well, that's to, a de- you because you dehumanize them that way. And then you feel right. Exactly. About so about them. so what I, I, we have to start folding things into. Yes. OK, um, uh, I really hate to see him go in this case, but I don't think Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump's fault. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, way more uh, has more to do with the yeah. system. It didn't and, start and with I him. hate to say, he's, yeah. a, he's because, a great example boy, of, a, of a of a racist society, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, he sure is. I also um, we can knock narcissism off the board too. I mean, that's t- that's just not. Specific I like enough. that concept. It's 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 a, it it applies to a lot of this. I think it, it, for me, I, I don't. I I feel feel like I want to. <laughs> I want to blame zero. I want to not blame. I want to roll zero detective work into the detectives. Like yeah. I want to. Yeah. I want to name yeah. names here. Yeah, yeah. And I'll I also agree. think we can roll take off mob mentality in, in a way mm-hmm. because I just feel like it might have fueled. It, it might have put more pressure. It turned on, into on that. Police. Yes, it turned into that as well. But it didn't I have to know, be that. Rebecca, way. what do you think? Because well, because. I watched that documentary too. Uh-huh. And the thing about that was really compelling to me was the jury. And the jury was just like, there was one guy who was like, I don't know. I don't think it makes sense. It's not adding up. These kids' confessions, it just doesn't add up. And the jury was like, come on, we want to go home. Just oh. come on. And he eventually was like, yeah, I want to go home. Okay, they did it. That's and like, terrible. that's, th- that is so terrible because he was right. Just yeah. like he knew that the, there was a consensus of like, people want to convict these guys. So like, yes, they were interrogated in a horrible way. Yes, they were pulled in almost randomly. But then they got to trial. And what the trial is supposed to do is exonerate them. That's what's supposed to happen. Because a horrible crime was committed. They were in the park. All those things were true. But then the fucking jury, this one guy, knew it was bogus. And they, like, acquiesced. They were like, well, yeah, I, I don't, we want to go home. You know, Donald Trump took out a newspaper ad about it. Like, uh, guilty. Yeah. So I don't know. I think my mentality is pretty convincing. Yeah, I mean, I guess what uh, is affecting me right now is how uh, so many uh, steps along the way, how many uh, as a society and so many parts of the system failed these kids mm-hmm. throughout this process. We we hope that there's always like, you know, like our, our checklist of things that are going right. to help us fail not... Fail safes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fail safes, checks a, and balances. You right. know, a terrible tragedy is going to happen. But all, along the way, like nothing helped. I think um something we could do is maybe... Pull, we can roll hard on crime era and the super predator narrative into a racial judi- judicial racist judicial system. Right. Uh-huh. Consolidate them. And, and, and also Consolidate I think broadly mm-hmm. speaking, racism can be rolled into that as well. Yes. Um, and sure. I, 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 I know the, we can also fold the prosecution into the actual de- district attorneys. Yes. Uh, prosecution okay. goes into that. Uh, and the misrepresenting DNA really just Those, falls into the DAs. The pro- too. Yeah. Yep. The, the DAs. Um, which leaves us with a racist judicial system, questionable police interrogation techniques, the detectives, including Thomas McKenna, district attorneys, Linda Fairstein and Elizabeth Letterer, and uh, the media fueling racist fire. Five things. To me, the first, they all are part of it. They all are, as Clayton said, like fail safes that uh, didn't work. But to me, the first... One is the detectives. Interesting. The detectives is tough too. It's yeah. tough to not like but, that. But seems like was, the first one. But the the detectives working in tandem with the DAs, like that to me, the the, yeah. the worst crime to me is the DA who knows better the law and knows should know better. Yeah. To me, so the detectives the like the detectives getting. There's almost part of it that is like. You know, it comes from above a little bit. It, that's that to me is like a DA has to put put their foot down and say we need evidence. You know what I mean? Like, but but to me, it also brings into this. Maybe we should be blaming the judicial system or the this process because uh, you know they're both sort of protecting each other. Here, here's where my where my mind's at. I think we send the judicial system to the alarmist jail and we slap the district attorneys. 
um, that's where that's where I'm leaning towards. I'm I'm sad that uh, we're somehow letting the media fueling the racist fire get away. But I, I, I also feel like to blame the media is also all you, can tend to be a scapegoat, too, because if they were doing their job correctly, if these, you know, right, d- if the system was working and if, if the DAs were doing their the job correctly, they, these kids, it wouldn't have gone so far along in the process. Maybe they would have been questioned, but yeah. without any evidence, they would have had to be let go. Can I? Right. I, I kind of like that, too, because going back to what you were saying, Maggie, too, like just imagine yourself being slowly accused of a crime and watching more and more people believe you. Like it just seems like the it, to me, it's like the system, like the system, which we're all supposed to rely on, which is supposed to be the thing that even if there is someone in the system who is not playing by the rules, there's a detective who is ignoring facts. There should be some at some point in this system, there should be a way to really seek out the truth and either exonerate or incriminate you. And it just feels like this, there was so much, and I'm not saying that it's any better now, maybe it's a little better, but it's still deeply flawed. Like, oh, yes. Big time. It just seems if like you think this can still better. happen? I don't think it's oh, any no. better. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's probably exactly, I'm my, my, this wishful thinking, I'm sure, but I, I tend to agree that that's why I feel like there's so many people like just just don't do anything wrong because you don't want to get wrapped up in any of that. You know what I mean? It's like you don't want to mess with the law because not because it's bad to be a lawbreaker, but it's like who knows what you're going to get pulled into once you're like in front of a judge in court. Like it just seems like there's so much that could go wrong, even worse than the crime you committed. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Well, I mean, hey, listen, you're yeah. not going to get much fight from me about a racist race, racist judicial system being uh, <laughs> to blame for a lot of things here. Um, I'm not going to necessarily go to the mat for uh, <laughs> for for that. But um, yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I, I guess in my timeline, though, t- I don't know where the district attorneys come in in terms of the confession. Like, were the detectives trying to get a confession before the district attorneys they were there were pressuring they were, them to do they were so pressured yes they they were, they were, there were together the da's um the detectives did an, a round of interrogations i think the da's were present for that as well but then the da's mm-hmm. got the videotaped confession the videotape which eventually right. confession sent them to jail which were the result right. of these yeah interrogations they, they don't it's basically do... a project they yeah. have this project going of like fucking coming up with what happened that night yes so I- i'm gonna call also it. it's just so important to teach kids so young i mean it was nobody's yeah. fault but just like don't talk to the cops just don't talk say to a lawyer them. say just just get a lawyer just lawyer. get a lawyer 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 don't right. talk to those cops all right i'm calling it let's call it district attorney linda fairstein and elizabeth letterer you're getting the big slap a racist Ouch. judicial system, you're going to the alarmist yeah. jail. And never get it come out. Well, A jury will not exonerate you. The fail safes <laughs> will not work. I hope not. I hope not. But You are going to jail. Sometimes jail. these... Jail's going to jail. I have a... <laughs> <laughs> jail's going to jail. <laughs> Little jail within a jail. Uh, they always find a way to get out is the problem. We have to mm-hmm. stay on top of this. We have to stay on top of them, make sure um, that we can. Uh, well, our alarmist. Better place. <laughs> yes, our alarmist. Don't put Detective Thomas McKenna on the case. Is more of a. <laughs> no, right, no, I am not hiring him. They got off scot free. Um, you know, the, the alarmist prison system is rehabilitation That's right. based. That's right. It's mm-hmm. not it's a good reminder. Good. Yeah. There's college, There's you can take classes. Absolutely. Um, Maggie, thank you so much for joining us today oh. and helping us get to the bottom of hey. this absolutely terrible tragedy. Yeah, I hope um, I, I'm thanks. This was a tough one. Uh, happy to come back anytime. And uh, maybe next time we can do molasses again. <laughs> yes, we'll just keep doing yes. keep it a little something sweeter. A little, st- <laughs> a little something a little light. Maybe something some lighter. something got. Yeah. yeah, maybe someone's ski lift malfunctioned. <laughs> And, and they just uh, broke a leg, and they're fine. <laughs> right, exactly. It's fine. In fact, when it healed, they became a super runner.
in the aftermath. In 2002, after Mateus Reyes confessed to the crime, New York City withdrew all charges against the five convicted men, and their sentences were vacated. This means the conviction is set aside as if it never happened, and prosecutors have the opportunity to pursue the case again. In 2003, the Central Park Five filed a civil lawsuit against New York City for malicious prosecution, racial discrimination, and emotional distress. City officials fought the case for more than a decade before finally settling for $41 million. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Additional writing by Anastasia Kousakis. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Philippines Pepsi Riot. Erios. Powered by ACAST.